0: But growing up wasn't easy. I am also a trans woman. I'm different, Ms. Danvers, but so is everybody.
1: And I don't know when that became such a
0: bad thing. The greatest gift we can give each other is our authentic selves and sharing that. Sharing our truth is what will make us strong. So here I am
2: the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Palindrome Hannah Lee Rogers. Hi, Hannah. How's it going?
0: Uh, really good. This will be totally out of date by the time this airs, but Mississippi State just pulled off a miracle win at the College World Series. So that's College exciting. World Series
2: of what? Baseball. <laughs> uh, <a> baseball? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually knew that. <laughs> That's cool. Are you, are you a baseball fan? I don't think we've ever talked about sports on the show other than to make fun of Wayne for not knowing what they are.
0: Yeah. I, I basically, <laughs> when I can't afford to spend my summers at Durham Bulls games and, uh, I've mostly spent many summers watching the college world series because Mississippi state goes a lot. We are very good at baseball. So I'm excited. <laughs> uh, but again, things can change by the time people listen to this. But right now, Mississippi State is doing well.
2: You know, I almost want to record like a coda of the show, like for the bumper, you know, because this will go out for us next week. But just like if if it's like seven days after we've recorded this and they've just completely flamed out, I just want your dejected voice. <laughs> I'm so sorry that as though you curse them or something. <sighs> but good luck to them. You know, maybe by now they are world champions.
0: Well, the College World Series takes a long time
2: to. Yeah, that's true. So they they won't be. (laughs) They will not. (laughs) Well, also, you know, it's yeah. This is this is a podcast. It's it's on the internet. It's eternal. Someone could be listening to this two years from now, and they will look back at that day at which you congratulated Mississippi for (laughs) for how many games are in are they.
0: Uh, It they like this is like their first game, but they'll be yeah they'll play like a second game before this goes out.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, let's see. So it's it's I wanted to address a comment that we had on the most recent show which was um, for us a couple of days ago. Actually, for our listeners, they, this show dropped this morning. But um, as you're listening to it now, I guess it's a week ago. Again, podcast time travel. I don't understand it. But we, um, our last show, we talked about comics for kids, right? And yeah. we had an interesting comment that I actually wanted to address. It was actually a comment on Twitter that got copied over to the blog. And oh, for the for the early plug for the blog, www.voxpopcast.com. When we post an episode or before we post episodes, we always have calls for comments. So you can comment and we will address things on the show. But I wanted to address a listener comment, which was from Timothy Reader, And he's commented before, but he listened to our Comics for, Sh- for Kids show. And he pointed out that we didn't talk that much about comics that were easy to read for kids. We had focused pretty much on well, the kids that we happened to interview were all very advanced readers for their age. So he just said, I was a little disappointed that there was so much talk about comics for advanced readers who have been reading since they were two, but nothing about comics for kids who struggle to read. He's got a really good point. We didn't talk that much about that. So, my advice to him, which um, I figured I put on the show as well as in the comments, was as Wayne said, you know, a good tip is to always take your kid to the comic shop and not just let them look around, but talk to the employees there about what is good for that individual kid and, you know, get some recommendations of both, you know, age appropriate content for him or her that is at their level, but also things that they're interested in. The things that that I would point to, some of them we actually did mention on the show. We didn't really talk about how complex anything was because that's just not where any of the kids wanted to go. But uh, the little golden books that Terry mentioned those are actually really, really great for learning to read. Marvel and DC, if the kids into superheroes, they both have their own sort of lines of things that are age appropriate and they get more and more complex as you go. In fact, Marvel has designation for their books, not their comics, but if you go to Amazon, they have reading level one, reading level two, and you can sort of, you can sort of follow them as they go. So that's a good tip for Timothy and anybody else. Oh, and we also mentioned Owley. Owley is a comic that is for for pre readers, it's just pictures. It's a, it's a funny comic, but it's but it's you know it's for two year olds. There's no words in it at all. So definitely check that out. But also, you know, maybe we'll do another show about that because that's actually a really good point um, to do to talk about things that are you know good for teaching you to read. So
0: I'd also like to add that we talked very briefly about uh, comic book or graphic novel adaptations of novels, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that if someone is struggling to read a novel, a good way to you know, maybe supplement that is to use the graphic novel adaptation mm-hmm. to help them understand how to visualize certain things going on.
2: Yeah, definitely a good awesome. tip. So anyway, this week, On Vox podcast, we have a completely different topic. This is not a kid's topic at all because this came from (laughs) it came from me monitoring. I've talked about on the show before how I sometimes uh, look at Reddit groups and Facebook groups that are of communities that I might not. Normally frequent. Um, there is one in particular that I was watching, which is a, I won't give the name, but it's a, it's a group where people basically post pictures of hot comic book characters and they talk about, Oh my God, so hot. Oh my God, so hot. And I find this fascinating. So I watch it religiously. And as one might expect from certain places on the internet, the comments are not always pleasant. (laughs) In fact, they're frequently very unpleasant, but I, I I was watching this group and, and sometimes they're drawings and sometimes the people will post pictures of cosplayers. So someone posted a picture of, I believe the very first one they posted or the one where I noticed was a picture of Wonder Woman, a a cosplayer dressed as Wonder Woman. And it had like 100, 200 comments. And I was like, oh, well, that seems like a conversation that's way more than I would expect. Let me go read this. And so I was just reading through the comments and it was a lot of hot. Oh, my God, so hot. Oh, my God, so hot. And then some somebody posted a comment that said that one doesn't count. That's a dude. And I was like, that's odd. And then they were soon after responded to by the person who posted the picture saying, well, if you're referring to the fact that she's transgender, I know that several of the models that I've posted here are transgender. And then the shit hit the fan (laughs) on the group and it was just people arguing, demanding to know which ones were because this is misrepresentation and horrible and this group's only for women. And and it just got really, really ugly real fast. And then it surprised me because um, one of the admins for the group or the moderators posted um, the script's about celebrating women, all women, transgender women count, and therefore we are celebrating their beauty as well. This is fine. So then after that, one of the people who was offended got really upset and he started posting all of these pictures of dudes in cosplay as female characters saying I guess this is all right now and and this is the kind of thing we are now (laughs) and and then people were getting upset about that and he was trying to troll and then the admin told him to to can it um one of my favorite pictures he posted this picture of I guess what would um if you if you understand the stereotype of what a bear is uh, a very large hairy gay man dressed as Laura Croft and I looked at it and I was like holy shit, dude is cut. I wish I looked like that. But he was supposed, it was supposed to be offensive. And they, um, they surprised me because they blocked the transphobic dude, which I did not see coming. (laughs) And, And I was like, well, that's interesting. And then the conversation on the group came about, you know, again, what is celebrating female beauty? They tried to have this really interesting and complex conversation but stuck very much on the idea that their idea of celebrating was basically posting pictures of women and going, oh, my God, so hot. Oh, my God. So hot!" So it wasn't it wasn't nuanced, but they were trying. And I just found this absolutely fascinating, a mix of where transphobia meets the male gaze and what counts. And I was just like. Okay, we're doing a show on this. We're absolutely, doing a show on this. And um, well, obviously, both Hannah and I are cis. Um, Hannah at least is female, so um, I felt like we're not perfect for this. So we invited a couple people along. So I, I wanted to introduce both of our guests. We have uh, well, first off, we have a colleague of mine, um, Jess. Say hello. Hey everyone. This is Jessie Jack and she is a co- Well actually you tell people about yourself. Um, how do I know you? What do you do?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a PhD student in English and I also study women and gender studies at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I, I'm a trans woman and a lot of what I study is trans theory, queer theory, how it sort of mingles with literature in a lot of cool ways. So when I heard about this topic, I was a little too excited to jump at it. I'm glad to be there. <laughs>
2: Thanks for coming. And then I also invited someone whom I don't know, but was recommended to me by a mutual friend. So this is Danielle. Hey, Danielle. Hello. Uh, tell us about yourself.
3: I'm a mathematician and I um, I work in Wisconsin. I study numerical algebraic geometry um, and I'm a trans woman and I really like I like cosplay um, and so I'm happy to talk about. Happy to talk about the ways that cosplay has intersected with my transition and um, with the topics that you're specifically talking about, um, trans phobia.
2: <laughs> i was so proud of making up that word. I, I don't know if it's a real word, but I've decided because I was originally going to call it just transphobia and cosplay. But I was like, no, I can I can make a word up and I will sound smart. This is um, how words come that's, up. That's, oh, that's true. You, you made up a word. <laughs> so. I don't even know where to start because obviously this is an experience that I've not personally had other than just sort of watching. So that's kind of why we invited you guys. If if you'd um, be nice enough to help (laughs) educate us, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Was there any like part of it that where you wanted to like dive in first? There's a lot going on. Mm, Yeah.
0: Maybe, uh, since like maybe (laughs) not all our listeners know exactly what cosplay is or the male gaze is, uh, We might want to define some terms. Sure.
2: That's what we like to do. So cosplay. Well, uh, well, okay. Danielle, you said you are or were a cosplayer. What is cosplay? Dressing
3: up like characters, um, either from existing fiction or um, created for the purpose of cosplaying it. Um, Mm -hmm. That is to say, um, playing a character in an environment.
2: So it's probably for our show... We have a lot of geeks, so which is, again, not that's not a complaint. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if you go to a comic book convention or an anime convention or video game conventions, these are very, very, very common where people will, you know, I'm going to be Spider-Man. I'm going to be Superman. I'm going to be Batwoman. I'm going to be Harley Quinn. And, you know, you, you make a costume or buy a costume and you show up and you pretend to be that character for the duration of the or at event. least
3: the duration of why you have the costume on.
2: Yes, yes. So to me, one of the things that I found fascinating about it is the idea that cosplay is sort of by nature fantasy, like ignoring any element of what is gender and, you know, what gender are you? If you are dressed up as Harley Quinn or Wonder Woman or Superman or Batman, you are not Harley Quinn or Wonder Woman or Superman or Batman. You are. Danielle, (laughs) you know, like, that's who you are. And yet in this environment, you're supposed to be Harley Quinn. So, you know, from the very beginning, the idea that you are offended by representing the wrong gender, you know, like you can put a pin in that. How are you? um, How is someone upset about that at all when you're talking about you know you're pretending to be something that you're not by virtue of being there like you you don't really have fly have the ability to fly you cannot shoot laser beams out of your eyes everything about this about this event is performative
3: yeah i don't somehow I don't think that they're angry about the fact that it's performative I think they're angry about the fact <laughs> that they feel like they've been duped and they're experiencing mm-hmm. and expressing transphobia mm
2: mm-hmm. I agree. Jess, that, that's more your area. Yeah, well, it strikes
1: me that, like, uh, that this is coming up and that it has such a long history, right, of this sort of blurring between our ability to see a costume and a fantasy and then our inability to sort of separate that from, like, a corpus or, like, the body. Um Like this is something Mm -hmm. in in the 18th century when gender norms were starting to become more solidified on the stage, the spectator would watch women, right? And the women were wearing breeches. They wanted to show off their body. And part of the purpose of that was so that the spectator could sort of consume visually, not only the woman on stage, but also peer beneath the clothes, right? To sort of see beyond it to the body. And when those things line up right in that sort of heterosexual world, this is gender worlds with some assumptions, Um, then the show goes on, right? But this idea that it's complicated when sort of the body is revealed, no matter what the fantasy is, right, or the clothing, and that people have such a negative reaction is just really, really interesting to me. But I don't want to talk too much about it if anyone else has thoughts.
2: I have a question. Sure, please. Um, This is actually, I guess this is Hannah or Jess. Either of you would know this because we're out of my time period now. I know that at one point, All actors were male, like at one point on stage, anybody who's appearing on on stage is unlikely to be female because they just didn't let let women have that job. When do historically, when do we allow women to perform at all on stage?
1: Thing. On stage? Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know uh, the specific date, but in the 18th century in particular, there's a huge uh, pouring of women onto the stage. And for the first time, two women are able to experiment and take some agency in the construction of their gender because they know that the stage, the sort of being as a spectacle uh, allows you to define in a way your own gender, your own body to various extents. Um, so this is when women start playing with breeches, roles, um, okay. things of that nature. So, so definitely, in the 18th century, things are happening, but it hasn't stopped.
0: Yeah, uh, just just to add a kind of footnote, it's it's really like uh, after the Restoration when women started performing on stage. Um, so how they performed on stage and like what roles they were playing and how they were
2: Restoration dates are when the
0: Restoration was.
2: Sixteen sixty. Okay. Yes. So by the time Jess is talking about, it's certainly not. It's not novel to have a female performer at all anymore. Right. And
0: technically, if you want to, depend on uh, how you want to periodize things, which you know, you could say the Restoration is the beginning of the long eighteenth century. Mm. Yes. Okay.
2: So there's one issue now we're talking about the other term that Hannah threw out, which was what the male gaze is. And we've talked about that before on the sh- on this show. And one day we're going to do a whole show devoted to just talking about the male gaze in all of its, <laughs> all of its essence. But for the purpose of this conversation, what's it mean? Well,
0: the term was coined by Laura Mulvey, um, which, um, which first appeared in a film studies article. And she basically argued that women are portrayed in film as passive objects that active masculine viewers, and even if you're not a male viewer, you're put in a masculine position as you view, you gaze upon the object, which mirrors the male active actors who are creeping on women. And that's, that's, of course, a... Not a critical term. Creeping on women in the film. Um, <laughs> we've talked about this before, but think uh, about Alfred Hitchcock and how any woman is like viewed through the lens of the camera. Or uh, for mm-hmm. those who maybe have not watched Hitchcock, think about Halle Berry coming out of the water in that James Bond movie with... Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm.
2: So, to simplify greatly, the idea is that women are placed in film roles to be looked at. Her actual term is "to be looked atness." <laughs> um, so, whether you're male or female, as the viewer, as the camera, you are to look at the woman character as an object of lust. She is visually performing for your benefit,
0: and you get pleasure from looking
2: yes so then where this became weird for me is to me and this gets really really complicated we actually have done shows on cosplay before and there are many many reasons to cosplay Uh, some of them have nothing to do with the viewer at all the cosplay yes i understand for some for many people being able to play a character is empowering for them but to me, I would argue that as the viewer of cosplay, not being the participant, you know, whether you're looking at a male character or a female character, a sexy character or a non-sexy character, you are very much naturally objectifying the person you're looking at because you're, you're deriving pleasure by looking at them. That's the entire thing. You're watching a performance. That's that's what you're, I mean, it's called cosplay. You are, they are playing in costume. You're watching that, you are taking it in. And to the extent that someone chooses to cosplay as a sexy character, which is what the entire group is, let's not, you know, let's not (laughs) minimize. If someone puts on a sexy Wonder Woman outfit and walks around in public for people to take her picture, then presumably she is sort of, implicitly if not explicitly giving you permission to look at her as a sexy character she chose to wear that outfit that is that fair i think to everybody
1: well like in that like the signifying economy of sort of being the spectacle right like to to so don such clothing uh, is to sort of make oneself uh appealing to, like, that consumptive gaze, right? Which is ultimately, like, what holds the power. So, like, if women are uh, dressing as such, right, it's ultimately because that is the power structure that already already has been Mm -hmm. established um, and one's working within it. So, yeah, definitely, you're right. She's given,
2: she's somehow given permission to look. So... There's a lot written on the male gaze and, you know, we like I said, that's got to be another show at some point because there's a que- there's certainly a question of, you know, yes, that's true. But that power structure that just just talked about was only set up for patriarchal reasons in the first place. But to the extent that the cosplayer is working without within the power structure, however, it got put there. That permission's inherent. You know that if, if you're wandering around essentially in a bikini, you know, in a public place um, at a convention, you know, people are going to look at you. You chose to put that on. So there's, a, there's sort of a implied, yes, I know that you're going to sexually objectify me when you look at me. It doesn't mean you know, attack me, but, you know, I know that you're deriving pleasure in looking at me. Um, so I'm actually okay with the people in this group to the extent that they are lusting after people who are performing for their enjoyment. In fact, many of the people that they posted are professional models that who, are, you know, who, who aren't even taking pictures that weren't even just taken as candidates. So they've implicitly given permission for you to look. So I'm okay with that. But then the question is, and where does that sexualization that you are enjoying, you're deriving pleasure in, where does that cross over with inherent transphobia of the idea? Danielle, you said they're not really upset about the performance. They're upset that the performance is being put on by someone that they don't consider a real woman.
3: Yeah, that that seems to be that seems to be the case. Um, it's, cer- it's certainly upsetting that in an arena where people get to play out f- fantasies, that somebody would be judged for a particular fantasy they have, um, especially especially considering in the world of cross play. Um, women playing male characters often with for better or for worse, um, some sort of sexy slant to it um, is taken without question. But the example that you talked about, um, like a big hairy man playing some um, some feminine or female character is almost rejected out of hand as absurd Mm -hmm. to me is 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 bothersome and troublesome. Um, Like where where do we get to draw the lines in terms of who gets to um, cross play as what or cosplay as
2: what? Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I mean, that's a I mean, that's a good point, because. One would presume that the guy, I mean, the the guy who was uh cross crossplaying is that a is that a typical term? Um uh, it's new to me.
3: <laughs> Crossplay cross, cross then would be um people um cosplaying in um and another gender. But than the one they typically
2: like. Okay, so when they do that, they're not changing this is specifically the guy that I was talking about was cosplaying as Lara Croft, but what Lara Croft would look like as male, as opposed to he was, Uh there was no attempt to Uh hide his gender and appear feminine. In fact, he was hyper masculine. So that, that counts as cross play.
3: Uh, Okay. Um, yeah, I think that would still be well. Yeah, prob- I don't know. I'm not yeah. the expert on this, but I think yeah. Oh, that's okay,
2: yeah. because yeah, he was yeah, he was he was very much a I am a manly man. You know, he, there there was, there was the there was oh, the no. muscle. You know, rather than the tight tank top, there was the there was the muscle shirt. You know, you knew he uh-huh. was Lara Croft a because he had 19th. the guns and everything and the color scheme. Uh-huh. But it was it, it was very much a no, I'm a beefy dude. You
1: know, okay. it <laughs> so, like Ian, okay. as opposed oh, to sorry, you know, sorry, man. it, it no, seems no, no, like no, the please. intent is what's in question there. Right. Because when you first told the story, I was under the impression that it was almost the picture was almost post, posted in a mocking way, but not with sincerity. But did you get the impression of it, sincerity? It absolutely
2: mm-hmm. was. Well, the person who posted it, absolutely. Like, I'm sure the guy who took the picture intended it mm-hmm. to be cool. The person who posted it to this group was absolutely, absolutely trying to mock him, mm-hmm. and I'm just the one who's like, no, I, I think dude was looks awesome, mm-hmm. you know. So, but I mean, that's <laughs> there's a weird intent thing right there, right? Like, obviously, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but obviously, but I'm presuming that the person who took the photo was not trying to to mock gender norms. He just thought his costume was mm-hmm. cool.
1: Sounds like a reasonable
2: assumption. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it happens all the time. Yeah, that,
3: when I when I cosplay, people take pictures of me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, I mean, you're walking around. It's almost. I mean, if you've never been to a, a comic book convention, it's almost like a a very scattered parade. <laughs> in a sense, you know, because people are they're not organized. Well, actually, sometimes they are organized, but but it's just people wandering around in costume. And most yeah. uh, most of the time, if you say, "Hey, can I take your picture?" People will absolutely pose for you. I've got tons of them that I've that I've taken. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm
3: It's a fun part of the experience i mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed when people take pictures of me mm-hmm. i enjoy so i I play a purple fairy at the renaissance festival sometimes mm-hmm. um and it's it's not a decidedly sexy costume it's just kind of outlandish in the amount of purple that i wear <laughs> and my last name is amethyst for a reason um and so so you were talking a little bit ago Mav, about um about like the sexualization and, 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 and the male gaze. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to mention at least in this conversation once that I do feel a fair amount of pressure when I, when I cosplay, um, as female characters, which is all I do these days, Mm -hmm. because there's no way I'm cosplaying male characters post transition, um, to make my costume as sexy as possible. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. there wasn't, there was none of that push, when I was a man and I cosplayed male characters. Like it wasn't about making it look sexy. I guess the, the concept of sexiness for men and women is really different to start with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just wanted to at least mention that I feel this like push to be sexy when I'm cosplaying female characters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon to me.
2: And, but that's, that's all post-transition you're saying. So was that push there I, I don't actually. I don't know what you not were complaining as all. before.
3: I think so. So the, so. Um. I I so I played a character in a movie in 2016, and it was an awful. I'm not, was it awful? Probably pretty <laughs> awful. It was just, like a five-minute short film that um a group of friends and I made um to get into Gen Con because if you submit a film to the Gen Con Film Festival, which is a gaming convention, mm-hmm. um. And they give you free tickets. Ooh, um, good to which know. Is pretty sweet. Yeah. So I, we, made, we made a movie. And by which I mean, like, other people did most of the work and I acted mm-hmm. um, terribly. <laughs> and I and I deliberately in that movie, this is pre-transition, I deliberately in, in that movie wanted to, like, play a female character in it because I was like, ooh, an opportunity to play a female character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of, like, opened the box, um, so to speak, as far as, like, oh, shit, like, now I... Now I just want to do that all the time Mm -hmm. um, because there was a real reason that I wanted to wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. I I guess I guess my point in saying that was like sometimes people might cosplay not just like for the spectacle of the audience or to give the audience pleasure, but because they are exploring some part of themselves Mm -hmm. in that. Right. Like, I don't know. Just what, what are your thoughts about people cosplaying as an exploration of personality. Yeah. So
1: I've never actually, um, cosplayed myself though. I think that's a really fascinating question. And I think there's a question too about like passing and like how passing differentiates between, uh, men and women trying, uh, in cosplay, uh, especially with those like standards that you feel that pressure to conform to, or you just feel the pressure. Um, yeah. So I think that we, we and like our sense of gender and sexuality is created like outside of us. Right. And like these fields, right. And they're like material fields. So like our clothing, like the way we move in our world, how people approach us, how we approach them. Um, So all of these things outside of us and the way we interact with them help us explore and express parts of ourselves and sort of the repetition of those things over time kind of helps us define uh, our own genders and sexuality. So I think cosplay is definitely a really valuable tool for that kind of exploration. One hundred percent. I think part of that too leads into why the men who are sort of watching, right? Because if the person who's cosplaying is in a way constructing or trying to Uh, find or perform or come to a gender or sexuality of their own, the people who are watching, right, and their desires for that person are also doing the same thing, where now suddenly the object of desire or the spectacle or the person cosplaying is saying something about the person watching. I think it's this anxiety of how things outside of ourselves sort of express and coalesce over time to define or to, like, put pressure on how we define ourselves that has this anxiety in like the people on the forum who are being negative to these pictures. So it definitely works both ways with the construction mm-hmm. and it can be harmful, maybe but super positive.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you mean by harmful, harmful to the cosplayer or to the viewer?
1: Well, I feel like, uh, I mean like if you are cosplaying and you receive like a lot of negative attention, that would definitely be harmful. But by and large, that seems like a positive thing. But if the viewer in like these moments, um, is enthralled with one kind of fantasy and then that fantasy like what seems to be happening in that thread that you were talking about uh is uh put into question or is made a little bit more fragile or unstable mm-hmm. then that person i think um feels in danger so like in mm-hmm. uh it's actually a really common defense for when individuals sort of murder, this is going to get really deep. Sorry. Uh, when oh, people, <laughs> when trans <laughs> people are like murdered unjustifiably, one of the most common ways for the, the person who killed them, the murderer to get out of a sentence or to get a lesser one is to plead the panic defense. And so like the panic, the panic defense is basically like, I I didn't know this person was this thing. There was no signs, right? They like totally passed. I had this idea of them. And then suddenly we're in like a room and they like take off their pants or whatever. And suddenly that fantasy uh comes tumbling down. And I'm so mm-hmm. insecure that I had all of my desires enshrouded in this person. I'm so insecure about like what it says about me that I like sort of black out. I panic and I need to like literally attack that thing outside of myself. That is mm-hmm. somehow pressing against my own definition of self. And like that, like the pan, there's actually, there was a gay panic disorder. It was classified in the American Psychiatric Association, but it was debunked in 1973. But it is still as early as 2018 being used as a defense so,, wow. yeah, positives and negatives,
2: <laughs> so if I'm understanding correctly then so, so I mean this is I'm going to just make fun of people using that defense now because that's what I do here, but no, it's, it's <laughs> I mean true. essentially, what they're arguing is they're they're arguing not not even that they're mad that they were tricked so much as no, 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 you don't understand. That person tricked me into a situation where I can't be mean to them because they're a woman because they're not really a woman. Like you're, you're, you're literally at a, no, you don't understand. I went crazy because they're a dude. So I can't be shitty to them. Mm. <laughs> like that's the argument. I mean, like I know that they don't think that's the argument, but that's what you're saying. Because if your argument is I killed this person because they weren't a real woman, then your question becomes, if they were a real woman and scare quotes, what were you planning to do then? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was like that's I don't see what the good scenario is in, in that, you know, for that defense. But well, you know. usually
1: it's like a uh, a like it's in a sort of sexual setting or something to that nature. Maybe not, but oftentimes that's what ends up happening. It's like these two individuals were going to, uh, have sex and then suddenly things are getting murky, and that one person is, um, so like, obviously there's a lot of internalized homophobia and transphobia happening in that instance. Right. Sure. Um, sure. so yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. See, mm. that's yeah.
3: The, certainly the the, 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 the concept and, and the the tra the transpanic quote defense um is definitely related to what we're experiencing in the context of this conversation where people would like freak out on the mm-hmm. internet because um because a cosplayer is revealed to be trans. I mean it's it's essentially the same it's essentially the same argument. I didn't know and I have transphobia, therefore I'm going to freak out.
2: My read of the situation when it happened, I was like, "To me, if you're there, if I'm trying to get away, get away from cosplay. Just go, you know, from okay. If you're reading." playboy. You know, if you're, uh, if you're a straight cis dude who buys a playboy with the express purpose of jerking off, you don't know these women. They don't really want you. You're never going to know these women. You're never going to meet them. You know, they are a fantasy that you are, you you are purchasing a fantasy to use for a sexual purpose. Mm -hmm. And my understanding, I mean, like. The only thing I can think of for why they were upset in the first place, because I mean, at least with Jess's example, you were talking about, you know, oh, we were about to have sex and I was tricked. I I guess I see where that person's going. But these people on the in, you know, online, the only tricking that they have is, you know, they have someone has tricked them into jerking off to the wrong person. Is that essentially the argument like they, and uh, you know, because they're now aware that, that the person in their fantasy does not qualify for what they in their reality consider as a real woman that has now ruined their fantasy. Is that what's been taken from them?
1: Well, like the word trick is tricky (laughs) Uh, because like often, right. That's not the intention. Uh, And in fact, that's often just like the claim that's made. Um, Absolutely. For sure. So, yeah. Sorry, I lost where I was going with that. <laughs> no, no,
3: no. That's right. <laughs> I, I just you're you're right that 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 point that point needs that point mm-hmm. needs to be addressed because I because because the the pan the panic defense uh, I don't have any like statistics and I haven't done like that kind of research into it, but it does not stem from actual instances of trickery. It's just right. what they right. say, and mm-hmm. it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because that's speaking as as a trans woman, um, that's not (laughs) what we do. We're not here here to trick you. Mm -hmm. Um, So stop telling yourself Mm -hmm. that we're tricking you.
2: Well, it's Um, it's the same as any other the, the oh, I, you know, people shouldn't be allowed to be gay because clearly all gay men want me. I mean, I'm a you know for for the listeners, you can't see me, but I'm an extremely attractive man, and yet not every woman wants me. I assume not every every gay guy wants me. It's unfortunate. You should because I'm really really hot, but <laughs> but no, they, like that's the logic is you might be tricked because clearly everybody wants you. I don't know. I don't even know where wow. where where the problem actually starts. Well, the
1: logic definitely only upholds in, like, a system, right, that, like, uh, continually upholds certain ideals. So the ideal of being mm-hmm. cisgendered, the idea of being heterosexual. And so, like, when you press against those ideas, it's really easy for a fickle language, like, trick to, like, have some mm-hmm. actual weight, uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of disgusting. But there's also <laughs> this way in which, like, uh like because uh one's identity is always constituted you know in relation to other people so like by naming that's what i'm interested in here so like the idea that In court, they have murdered this person. They are claiming the panic defense. They can only Mm -hmm. claim that defense by naming that person as specifically trans or specifically gay. And then suddenly that person is reduced to that label. So, like, naming is such a huge strategy and, like, systems of power where the people in power bolster themselves by, like, castigating or separating themselves from the other. And so what's really interesting is... Mm -hmm how the person who was somewhat defending uh, the trans women who are engaging in cosplay and uh, had photos on the site was then sort of celebrating the women by sort of labeling them as trans, right? So there's such a double-edged sword there, like a paradox for trans women, because it's like, at one point, now we have this, this potentially previously hidden labor pool who has finally got presence and recognition, right? On another hand in the world of a really easy Google image search, maybe <laughs> these women's lives, right? They're actually, uh, sometimes outing people like that is really mm-hmm. dangerous. And then to not be outed. And to then to be like found out is dangerous. So all of this mm-hmm. is like in a system of danger for the trans
3: person cosplay mm-hmm. or not.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We should, we should go, we should go ahead and, and name it. Um, from Julia Serrano's book excluded. This is the past reveal double bind, right? Where, um, where due to double standards, um, the, um, the trans person, um, and it doesn't have to be a trans identity, but it can be other identities in different contexts, right? So it's a template to be filled, um, either has to hide their identity, um, and then be accused of trickery later or reveal their identity, um, and then suffer the consequences of being reduced to that identity. And that, and that's exactly what is being, um, invoked in in the case of this cosplay mm-hmm. conversation that you saw mav it's i mean you witnessed that we witnessed the the, the past reveal mm-hmm. double bind um that i think we all experience in some parts of our lives but that particularly trans people um have to deal with as far as like whether um whether they pass or not and then in dealing with um in negotiating sexual encounters or in the, in the context of cosplay, um, do I, do Mm -hmm. I reveal that I'm trans or, or do I not? Because I'm Mm kind of screwed either way. So about
0: the cosplay community, um, since you are actually a member, uh, Danielle, what, what's the environment like in general? Is it friendly toward different identities? Like, is it, is it a male dominated environment? Like some spaces of nerddom?
2: Um, I thought you were going to say all of them.
0: perhaps,
3: <laughs> yeah, It's male gaze dominated. That, that's that's for sure. Um, I, I, I don't, I think, I don't know. It seemed pretty balanced. I did most of my, in fact, like all of my um, like steampunk and anime cosplay um, before transition. Um, and now none of those costumes fit me. And so I need to get them all tailored, which is um, going to be rather expensive, <laughs> but totally worth it Um, because then I'll have a sweet steampunk like gentle woman costume instead of gentle men costume Um, and I'm really excited to wear it um post tailoring um I don't know I I felt like in the environments that I've um either cross-played or um cosplayed post-transition things have been like pretty pretty accepting I, I haven't had any like really horrible experiences maybe maybe that's because I was passing uh I don't know I mean I'm certainly not going to test the waters I think I think I'd rather as far as the pass reveal double bind I think I'd rather go the route of pass than the route of reveal in the context of cosplay because it's I don't know it breaks the fourth wall less and I'd rather like just try to be the purple fairy rather than the trans purple fairy you know what I mean
2: I think, uh, I mean, if I'm hearing you correctly, because I, I think that's a really important distinction. When you put on a costume, it's the, that very last thing you said, you're not going there. And I don't know that this is true of all trans people. And I don't, I don't expect you to be able to speak for all trans people, but you are putting on a costume because you want to be considered the purple fairy. That's who you are trying to be. It's not a, you know, you're doing this for yourself. I think you said that earlier. It's not a excuse to say, even before, I mean, did you do the purple fairy before you transitioned as well? Or is that
3: a. It was like, I don't know, the boundaries of like when transition started are really fuzzy. Okay. So I'm going to say that particular costume evolved like mid transit. Like, I don't know. No, but I, I think, don't that's, know a, that I I think that's
2: important because w- what I'm hearing is it was always about you. You know, it, you're not doing this as a performance. I mean, you 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 acknowledge that a lot of it is sexiness, and you know when you put on the costume, there's going to be a push for that. But it was never your intention to go out there and put on this outfit so that you know, just so that hey. All random dudes on the internet, here's your excuse to jack off to me. That's not what you're, that's not the intention, I assume.
3: No, that was, that was, that was never the intention. <laughs>
2: right. So, no. so then it, so then the question, you know, the threatening, the, uh, Jess, what'd you call it? The, um, trans, the trick defense with uh, the gay
1: panic disorder, the panic defense. Panic. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. So the panic disorder is, it it was never it's about the viewer mm-hmm. the panicker um feeling his sexuality has been threatened by someone else expressing not even their own sexuality but it, it um his sexuality is threatened by someone else um, celebrating or experimenting with their identity in a way in which he is not comfortable.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like the male gaze or like any gaze, right, is consumptive and you can like literally take that metaphor to its extreme where the thing that you're seeing or visualizing, you consume, right? So it goes inside and the like more you repeat, right, the more I just eat vegetables. I'm a vegetarian. Suddenly it starts to define <laughs> in various ways. Um, and so individuals often feel the need to label or to pass Yes. and both of those things that th- those pressures are kind of a straightening device right it's kind of a way of saying like here's where you can and you know can look and here are safe spaces to look and if uh, if people pass and you don't know then you're in these like these fields of orientation right where it's you don't have to question your sense of self there the fields are straightened anything that's queer or trans is sort of hidden yeah and that's like so problematic but yeah. like it doesn't matter about the person performing's intent, even though that should be the focus. It's,
2: it should be the only thing that matters, obviously, sure. but it's never going to be. Mm-hmm. I actually want to just real quick for people who don't know, we always like to make sure we're defining all the terms, but passing is passing. It means for, a problemat- <laughs> passing
3: is a problematic truth, um, that, that, that describes when um, a trans person mm-hmm um, is taken or gendered by, um, the public, uh, by, by a person. Um, it, I guess it's on a person to person and encounter to encounter basis. Um, but when, when a person is gendered correctly mm-hmm. is passing. Um, so like cis people pass as their own gender and that just kind of like happens and they get to take it for granted. And then like trans people could be said to pass Hope I I don't know I I don't want to use the word hopefully I was going to attach values to things sure. I, I think you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. I'm not going to I think I'm going to stop there and maybe yeah. Pass it to yeah so
1: passing yep. it, you're so right out it is like sometimes singularly unhelpful and like Jack Halberstam if like viewers are interested talks a lot about this in particular but so I'll give like an anecdote with my own life so. I have a number of people throughout sort of my life after transitioning, it's been like six years now, come up to me and ask me, Jess, uh, congratulations, you passed well. How did you do it? Can you give me tips? (laughs) And then a lot of them, and it's really, really sad, will say, you know, I considered transitioning in the past, but I'm like six foot two. I don't think I'll do it. So I'm never going to. So suddenly this value judgment in passing becomes ultimately like what a, what it means to be a good trans person and that value of good is so terrible. Sandy Stone, one of the founders <laughs> of trans theory, basically said that she basically equated uh, being a transsexual with passing because of the social pressures, because of the emphasis there. And in cosplay, where passing is happening on so many different fronts, right? Not only as the character that you're trying to portray, which you want to portray as fully as possible, right? But then when you have to try to pass on this other level as well, things become really complicated. Um, but yeah, passing singularly unhelpful in a lot of cases, but often required for intelligibility, for people to know how to interact with you on the street so that you can remain safe. So it's really unstable right now
3: it is yeah it's 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 really problematic because like on one hand i need to pass so people Mm -hmm. gender me correctly and on the other hand like fuck passing Mm -hmm. because because like what an absurd concept to have to live up to the standards for femininity that our society has has constructed for us to live up to and then to be damned if i if i don't somehow if i don't somehow pass i it's it's really problematic. It's really problematic. So I wish there was. I wish I knew of a better term for mm-hmm. it. And Julia Serrano, I'm numbering her up again, um, uh, has suggested that like pre-transition, um, uh, like, and I, I think maybe I I don't know if I agree with it. She said she said that um, for myself. I mean, so she said that pre-transition maybe she passed as a man, and now she is finally the woman that she was all along. So maybe maybe the meaning for passing for us is like flipped backwards because. it's it's not it's not like I'm passing as a woman mm-hmm. i I am a damn woman, mm-hmm. and so can we like stop using the word right. but we can't right. yet
1: mm-hmm.
3: and i'm 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 glad you brought it up Jess in in the context of like this metal level in terms of cosplay so like as a as a trans woman if i if I cosplay um then I think maybe it would be easier for people to read me as um as somebody who is going for the trick or um as uh, like a yeah. crossdresser mm-hmm. because I I still like I still look fairly masculine and so I've like scaled back the amount of cosplay that I do um one because I live in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin <laughs> um and two um because because I'm, I'm afraid of the reactions that I'll get um as as far as that goes as far as like not being able to like really pull off the costume um, But like generally passing in my daily life and failing at that meta level when people are like giving you extra scrutiny under the male Mm -hmm. gaze. Oh gosh. Uh yeah, thank you for sharing that.
1: So if you don't mind me sharing another personal anecdote. So it was recently at well, it is Pride Month, right? And Pittsburgh just had their Pride Celebration and Mm I yes. always have a fear, uh, going into those spaces where I'm supposed to feel most comfortable, right? <laughs> uh, I always have this fear that there is a level of, um, it's like liminal, right? The space of a, of a festival is liminal where people are performing. There are more, uh, like drag performers out there. People are wearing clothes they might not typically wear in their day to day. And I want to wear clothes that I don't wear on my day to day in pride because I want to celebrate who I am. Right, well. I always fear that I'll be mistyped uh, as a drag performer as opposed to a trans person. And in fact, it, recently in this last Pittsburgh Pride, I was buying a lemonade and the guy was like, oh, oh. He's like, you know what? I have to say you were really convincing for a minute there. Good job. Yeah, you look great in drag. <laughs> and I'm John. like, oh. But I think uh, people have a really hard you know, right? Like, oh, super <laughs> shitty. And, like, what am I, I <laughs> think it was just bad. Um, and then, so, like, I think people have a really difficult time separating, uh, like, performance as opposed to, like, performativity for people who, like, know Butler. But people have a hard time distinguishing performance from identity. And, like, sometimes mm-hmm. they just, people can't do it. They just can't do it. And I think that's happening in this thread we're talking about definitely happened to me uh pride um seems to happen to you too when cosplaying
3: this is why i don't go to i don't really like going Mm -hmm. to drag shows um but because people often interpret me as a performer and it's like fuck i'm not a performer i'm literally dressed up in like what i wear on a daily basis all i yeah all i did was come here to like help support the drag performers and I'm I'm not one of them, damn it. Just want to unpack,
2: like, even, I mean, even your little anecdote there, Jess, the idea there that you're talking about is, uh, it's the exact same issue. I mean, obviously, far less violently. I don't think you were worried for your safety in that situation, because if I'm understanding you correctly, the person was attempting to be supportive. It's not, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't complaining that you were he, he just misgendered you. He wasn't complaining that you were doing something wrong the way the people on this website were, but it's still, I mean, it's almost, it's as harmful in, in the same way because, you know, now the question becomes by if you aren't Danielle, you're right. I don't have a better word. If you're not passing, mm-hmm. then I mean, yeah, then then well. now are you, you know, are you, if you're not passing at pride, Are you betraying your own gender or are you or are you not celebrating? You know, people like things to go into into boxes. So Mm -hmm. how much are you supposed to be feminine versus masculine in order to be a real trans person? It's almost being I would imagine almost not being accepted by the queer community in the same way that you wouldn't be by the incel community.
3: for sure there's a potential for othering there right mm-hmm. so that 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 othering concept of of constructing the out group and the in group happens all the time in so many different contexts mm-hmm. in our lives, and it can There can be like an othering of trans people who don't quote pass. Um, and so you're like in if you're passing and you're out if you're not, or the other way around. Um, there's a potential for othering, um, as far as you're in if you're trans and you're out if you're cis or you're in if you're gay and you're out if you're straight or you're in if you're queer and, or, and you're out if you're not queer. It's, it's, it's all, it's all problematic and I don't like it at all. Can people just take me for what I am right now? and not try to guess at my past um, or guess at my trajectory for the future, right? I just want to have the ability in my day-to-day life to like just portray myself as I am Mm -hmm. right now and not have to justify that existence um, before or after. And and maybe that's what makes cosplay so interesting, is that it is an environment in which people typically get to experience this this really – this like focused and transient time period in which they play this character. There's a start and a stop to it. And people are generally willing to take it for what it is during that time period. um, And then not question what happens outside of it. Um, and, And I guess, and I guess I just want, I guess I just want that all the time. I want people to just like take me as I am right now,
2: always. Fascinating, uh, and I, I mean, I agree with you. I think uh, I did want to address one other issue. Uh, you know, one of our other co-hosts couldn't be here today, uh, Wayne. For you know, people who listen to the show regularly, but um, this isn't quite cosplay. This is even more of the fantasy element because Wayne has an anecdote that he has um, that he knows from working in a comic shop. so I wanted to play that for our listeners and then get both of your reactions to it. This is about a fictional character, not even a human being.
4: so I'm just cut over to Wayne's pre-record right now. So, 20 years ago, I was working at a different comic shop, and we had a display of comics behind the counter just facing outward. And one of them was Grant Morrison's The Invisibles with an amazing cover by Brian Boland of the character Lord Fanny. Uh, the, the series, The Invisibles, described Fanny as a transvestite shaman, but very definitely a trans character. Uh, you can see the image on our, our call for comments blog. Uh, anyway, it just, it's this you know, drawing, this great drawing of this what appears to be a beautiful woman i had a customer standing there who looked up and he's just like wow that's really hot and i told him that it was you know a trans character and he got really weirded out by this um suddenly just like he he felt entrapped Uh, he would just like you know like weirded out by his own response of finding this this drawing really attractive than finding out it was a dude in drag um it was just it was kind of interesting to watch this because it's it's a drawing it's a fictional character it's the exact same drawing that he found hot but suddenly in his mind this character has a penis therefore it cannot be hot and to watch him kind of melt down just standing there was just kind of a really fascinating thing to see um and this you know i've seen that that's the most extreme example but you know it fictional character it's the same two-dimensional drawing it was before but internally it became something very different and something very threatening to him yeah so that that was
2: his experience As you know, as a retailer who is a cis straight white man to suddenly just watch someone else, you know, be threatened by the identity of something that doesn't even exist. I mean, there's no person there. So it's just it's the very idea of transphobia, I guess. Mm-hmm. Can I like do
1: a super hard tangent, though, before we address that sure. and just say that, like, it's super interesting that that particular character was uh, like a quote transvestite shaman, because there's mm-hmm. like this really rich history going all the way back to ancient Greeks with Tiresias of like linking individuals who identify as one gender or another throughout various points of their lives as having these sort of pathetic abilities. Think, uh, yeah, there's a whole history there that's happening too under the under the surface.
2: Yeah, I can give a little bit of background uh, for Invisibles in particular. I want to point out this this storyline started in 1994. I think it ran through like 1999. So uh, Wayne pointed out that the character of Lord Fanny is in the book often called a transvestite. Probably more accurately, she should have been called transgender or even more specifically non-binary because, you know, having read the book. But these weren't terms that, that I don't I, they weren't terms that were in as common usage in 1994. Mm-hmm. But just for background, the character in the book of Lord Fanny is, if I remember this correctly, um, she born born male was the latest in a generation of a coven of witches where the power was only inherited through females and the, you know, her grandmother was disappointed in her being male, but then they raised her as female. But the book very much address. I mean, the book does a lot with gender. She's not the only character where this is an issue. Um, But she's the magic character and the book very much talks about what is the meaning of gender, even in the, you know, she uses female pronouns. I don't know. I don't, I, I wasn't a huge Invisibles fan. I don't remember her ever appearing as male from her very first appearance, she's always female. Though the character is acknowledged as—I mean, other than in flashbacks to her being a little boy—as um, an adult, she's always female, and the—and it, it's always been a—it was always a question of, you know, what is gender really at all because. She does have her powers, even though the powers are only available to the women of their family. So apparently she is a woman Um, by virtue of, you know, like her cisness d- didn't matter. That's the storyline. God, I wish I had something to prove I was a
3: yeah, woman. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Have you power? tried? <laughs> <Holy> shit. <laughs> Uh, all the time. Yeah, but um, mandatory therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, are they going to test me for whether
2: I am a trans woman or not? Uh, Depends on how no. long. <laughs> oh, <God>. it's important. <laughs> no. Terrible. Uh, well, but I I kind of wonder though because I don't think I don't think the the customer Wayne was talking about had read the book at all. I think he saw the cover, and again, we'll link it on the blog. Um, he saw the cover. And just said, oh, my God, she's hot. Tell me about that book. So Wayne said, well, here's what the book's about. And now he's disturbed by the idea that he was attracted to a drawing of a character that is supposed to be trans. Uh, You know, and there's no you know, it's not like someone drew a penis under the dress you know right. <laughs> you know it's just a picture like you draw you draw a transgender woman exactly the same way as you draw this woman you just draw a woman because it's a drawing and that's how drawings work and or women yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it, so it was i mean i guess I I guess what I'm what I'm wondering is, you know, I understand why the word passing is problematic. The word passing has always been problematic. I mean, it's inherited from racial passing, which was a problem during those days as well. But the question becomes. You know, Danielle, you were even saying you know you want to be taken as yourself, but then with Jess's you know experience at the pride parade, you know it, what self is even the one you know like. Is it, is it better to pass or to not pass? Which one's more being yourself? Obviously, it shouldn't matter. You know, the answer is you'd like it to not matter, but I guess we just don't live I in that matter. world.
3: Screw yeah. it either way. It's a double bind. Yeah. It doesn't. It, it's a double bind, and you just have to disregard the double bind and do whatever mm-hmm. you were going to do yeah. anyways. Yeah, and I think...
1: Yeah, 100% agreed. Uh, there's really no good answer there because it all, it's just a double bind, like you said, Danielle. But I'm wondering how that the, the person who has that reaction, right? In the store, uh, to the, what he's seeing, um, he's passing too. And I think it's really important to make that distinction, right? Because in this, it's a different kind of passing, obviously, but in this public space, right? In this storefront where the manager, the person perhaps running the cash register knows where all of the, the, Uh, the comic books are, knows what that man's probably looking at. Um, And that man watching, knowing he's in this public space that other people around to watch and verify what he's doing, the sudden, as soon as there's an awareness, right? Then suddenly that individual has to perform his own uh gender or sexuality or desires in a way. And so I would be curious to see how someone would react differently in a private space mm-hmm. coming across such mm-hmm. an image versus in that public space where suddenly to sort of verify or reify his uh gender or sexuality, this sort of outward expression of distaste has to be vocalized. So it's like an internal anxiety too of a possibility that could be, but one doesn't want, right?
3: Ooh, he's, he, the, 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 um, customers suffered from their own, um, pass reveal double bind. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so they had, they had a couple of options. Either they were attracted to this person, regardless of their trans status or, um, or they were hypothetically disgusted by this person, right? If they're disgusted by it, they either have to, um, They either have to out themselves as disgusted so that people know that they're disgusted and like can keep going on in their world where trans people are disgusting or they keep it to their or the customer keeps it to their self. And then the shopkeeper and the people around them might think they like trans people. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a risk. Or. Or on the other side, they like they actually they actually don't care, um, and and then and then the, the pass reveal double bind was flipped. The roles were flipped, mm-hmm. so they also they probably also suffered from the pass reveal double bind in a in a different context mm-hmm. in that same instance. That's fast, uh, no, yeah. yeah no, like if, that was a good point, Jesse. Yeah, thank you.
2: Mm-hmm. How much does the you know for for the pass reveal? How much does the public's fearness of it matter? Because I'm wondering. So in Wayne's example there. I understand what you're saying because the customer has publicly expressed attract I mean, publicly, at at the very least, to Wayne, he's public publicly expressed you know his attraction to the drawing so he's got to defend his masculinity by saying oh now i think that's gross because it's not a real woman i understand that i don't agree with it but i understand it in the in the case of the internet you know you're you're in like a semi public semi private space right so if you've not comment if you've not bothered to comment on the transgender model one way or the other but you still feel the need to express your disgust you know, or I guess you're even your support, you know? Um, I mean, obviously I, I never comment on these things on, the, but on the other hand, I'm doing a show on it. So I guess, you know, it's pretty obviously we obvious where I fall on this, on this issue. So obviously I, uh, there's an important performance aspect of me, you know, me and Hannah inviting you guys on this show to even discuss, it, discuss it. So obviously we're saying, yeah, we're okay with this. We're cool. But the idea of just saying, I am disgusted. I, you know, I am a real man. And therefore I know that, you know, your gender is defined by your birth certificate or whatever bullshit people say, mm-hmm. you know, like, the, like the idea that people announce this so constantly online just to prove themselves but to who when no one asked
1: so it's not always like an individual thing right so like a lot of times it's like oh i feel like i'm being individually put into question i have to like do something to correct that or straighten that experience but when it happens in a way too where you aren't individually at risk, but you are engaging in a community conversation about a specific topic, whether for or against, you are trying to decide the stakes of like what the structure of the system. So for that, for this case, the website, like should these, should uh, like trans women models, uh, should such women be allowed to be posted here? So it's like a defining of a stakes for a community. And ultimately then it's defining larger questions about what is good? What is that? What is desirable? What is not? Um, yeah. Yeah a lot of people aren't content just like letting it being an individual issue. Like they just like have the ego to want everybody else to conform to their,
3: to their opinion.
1: Small tangent.
2: Sorry. No, it's good. No, it's good.
3: Rant over. <laughs> I I think, I think, I think, I think the story, I think the story of the customer is, is, po- is poignant in the, in that it demonstrates the common reduction of a trans person to their genitals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, I don't know what your experience has been like, Jess, but like um, I'm particularly in the world of dating, I'm reduced to my genitals and, and it's really, and it's really problematic. Like I've been like texting with boys on Tinder sometimes. Um, and like every single time the question happened, the question, the question is thrown out there for me to read um do you still have it and does it still work <laughs> and that's every single time that i that i try to like have a connection with a man like i get reduced to my genitals and and i guess it's interesting to hear a story of it play out about a fictional character in a comic book story she has no genitals one way or the
2: other um, i actually well, i mean if that person had bothered to read Invisibles, they would not have liked the book. It, Fanny has sex a lot, and it's <laughs> you know. But but, um, mm-hmm. but they're judging purely based on the cover. Mm-hmm. She has no genitals. They didn't draw them. You that you saw legs coming out of a dress. That's what they bothered to draw. Mm-hmm. That's how drawing works.
3: And she is in fact sexy. Yeah,
2: very much so. Mm-hmm. Which is why you thought that, mm-hmm. that in the first place. Mm. yeah
1: i have the exact same experience and it is so annoying and it's not like just on dating apps too it's like the minute you go into a doctor's office that's also the first thing you have to say right because things are different there's all these small reveals and uh where one's identity is sort of pared down to that one (laughs)
3: yeah i go in Mm -hmm. i go in for bottom surgery in nine days and so then i get to like respond to that question with like a whole different story than i get to right now um for which i'm kind of excited Mm -hmm. and kind of like okay like i get a it's the same the dilemma will still exist i will still be reduced to whether i still have a penis or not Mm -hmm. um I just get to answer mm-hmm. the other way and experience whatever. I have no idea what people are going to respond when I when I out myself as that way. Welcome to a like, whole
2: set of uncomfortable stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably just continue yeah, to restrict gosh. myself to dating oh, trans God. people because
3: they tend to not give a shit, and it's really nice. Yeah, we're pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, <God>, trans <laughs> people are amazing. I just like to go on the record here as saying like, trans people. You're amazing. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: also, that's really cool. Uh, good luck to you after this. Love everything's good. Thank yeah. you.
0: So, I think we've covered everything Mav wanted to cover with his mm-hmm. blog post and Wayne's story. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything either of you, Danielle, or Jess, want to talk about or feel like we didn't get to before we not resolve anything? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I think like just the one thing is that it's really good to have these conversations, right? Um, it's sort of like a sort of Foucauldian thing, right? Where even when something's like being oppressed or discriminated against, and if you're talking about that, like oppression and discrimination, at least the talking has a kind of representation, right? So it's like a paradox in a way, but at least this is happening. So thank you both, Hannah and Matt, for creating a platform for this discussion.
3: Thank yeah, you. It's, a, it's a good. It's a good discussion. It's helped me clarify some things in my mind about the way I think about the way I think about cosplay, and certainly emboldened me to just go ahead and do whatever I want as far as cosplay goes. Mm-hmm. If I want to, as a trans woman, cosplay a male character, I'm going to do it. And if I want to continue to cosplay um, female characters or non-binary characters, I'm going to continue to do that as well. And damn the audience, the experience is there for me. Hell
0: yeah! Can That's- I? Can I just say that steampunk is awesome and I'm very <laughs> excited for you for your costume alterations.
3: Thanks. If you want to, if you want to see a, a picture of me pre-transition, I still show up in Google. If you Google um, steampunk engagement photo, pictures of me from my steampunk engagement photo shoot are like still in the top like 10. That's kind of, it's kind of <laughs> weird. <They're cool.
2: laughs> Well, thank you both for, for doing this. I, we, we certainly appreciate it because this would have been really weird for just us to talk about with, with no actual input. Uh,
3: I would not have done it. <laughs> um, thank you for including trans yeah. people.
2: Uh, well, is there anything either of you want to plug? Okay.
3: I don't know. So, so I don't do any social media, but I have a static website that you can't comment on. Um, <laughs> It's mostly math-oriented, um, but um, I do have some like other stuff up there. Um, it's my name, DanielleAmethyst.org.
2: That's linked in the show notes along with several of the books and articles that we've referred to throughout the uh, throughout the conversation today. What about you, Hannah? Uh, As always,
0: you can follow me on Twitter at Hanley Rogers. I'll probably tweet something nonsensical, so
1: don't expect much.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it'll have something to do with The Good Place or Khan or Kesha.
1: (laughs) The Good Place, like the series, is so good.
0: Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. (laughs) Best show on television.
2: Mm -hmm. It's no Riverdale.
0: And and I can't believe it's almost over. (laughs) Heartbreaking.
2: (laughs) Uh, I, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick you can follow my blog at www.chrismaverick.com you can follow the show on Twitter at Vox Popcast on Instagram at Vox Popcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash or follow our blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you will find out about future topics and have the chance to comment and join our conversation and help us along maybe suggest topics that you'd want to hear us talk about. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or the hell else you get podcasts from. And if you subscribe, do us a favor, leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes and Stitcher. Those help other people find the show. They tweak the algorithm and they make me happy. And and every time you leave a five-star review, an angel gets its wings. Trust me, it's science. That's totally true. Um, But I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. Once again, I'd like to both thank both of our guests, Danielle and Jess. Thanks, ladies. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. And I would like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 What you got between your legs is your business and what I got is mine.